every single thing that they're they're going to hit us with so much terrible, archaic, set us back 5, 10, 20, 50 year shit that this is like, this is it. This is what happens when you get a Danielle Smith. Forgotten Corner Podcast would not exist without our listeners. If you enjoy the work we are doing on this show and would like to support further, please consider a donation through our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash forgottencornerpod, or visit our website, forgottencornerpod.com. Welcome back to the Forgotten Corner Podcast. We acknowledge that the Forgotten Corner occupies unceded Indigenous land. We acknowledge that the Blackfoot Confederacy never surrendered its land in the signing of Treaty 7, but agreed to share it. The Forgotten Corner sits on Treaty 7 and Treaty 4 territory, traditional lands of the Siksika, Kainai, Pekani, Stony Nakoda and Sutina, as well as the Cree, Sioux, and the Soto bands of the Ojibwa peoples. We also honor and acknowledge that we are on the Métis Nation within Region 3. The Forgotten Corner is a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network, so goddamn proud of this, in fact, that we have like a board member on our show today. Uh, if you'd like to check out other progressive podcasts from across the country, click that link that we always provide in our show notes. My name is Scott Schmidt. I'm here with my usual co-host, Jeremy Appel, who's up in Edmonton. Say hi, Jeremy. Hello. Um, greetings from uh, Capital City. Capital City. But uh, maybe like even more, maybe okay. even more importantly than our presence for once, Jeremy, is that we have also or we're welcoming today um, former, sometimes guest, re- resident expert, and co-host, Doctor Roberta Lexier from Mount Royal University. Say hi. Who is hi. a medical doctor? If you have any doctor. medical concerns, you should definitely based on uh, based on what we're going to talk about today. We're just going to pretend fire. that she is a medical doctor, um, and uh, I am an aspiring nurse. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I always joke like I had a colleague in grad school whose mom had five kids that all went into graduate school. And she used to say, my kids are all doctors, but not the kind that can help you. <laughs> yeah. And so that's that's always my thing. I'm a doctor, but not the kind that can help the, you. The <laughs> kind that might, not in Roberta's case, but might bore you. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it, what, well, I can call you a doctor out here, but when I go to work, I can't even call I you know. a doctor. Yeah. It's a weird thing in journalism. We're not allowed to be doctors. No, you're, well, yeah, I, I think you're that's, I, I, I do, I, I do think that's fair in journalism to, because when you say doctor, people think yeah. like medical doctor. And so I think it is important, right? Like, I mean, like considering journalism is writing right. for a grade five reading level, you, you want to, you want to yeah. make it easy on the folks out there, right? Absolutely. I guess I just wish then they'd put my name PhD then afterwards or something, but yeah. that's okay. That's I want good. I want some fucking letters after my well, name. But, but I mean, you know, Mount Royal University professor yes. River Lexier. I mean, you know, anyways. Le- it's w- a fancy w- fucking get for the show, okay, <laughs> you guys? That's what we're trying to say. It's a big goddamn deal. Yeah, so- she was in the Globe and Mail just today into the Ever heard paper. of it? Yeah. I'm yeah. Sure was. I'm- yeah. Do you want me to save a copy of the paper for you? 
Uh, sure. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, what was the story called? Um, how come everybody hates Jewish people now? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's, Basically. That's why. And, and like, cause like, obviously all the Globe Mail columnists are deranged uh, on most issues, but this one in particular, Marsha a bit less so, but still really bad. Like, um, we were laughing and, at the text. And then I, I, I saw this headline. I've that was just like, about why died. Does I, why does everyone hate Israel? And I was like, oh God, this is going to be a good hate read. And it, I mean, she spoke, she actually went to a pro-Palestine rally um, and acted like she was like the fucking troops for going. Um, but I mean, she went and talked to someone there and was like, yeah, it was totally peaceful. Um, and talked to uh, Roberta about the sort of uh, pro-Palestine social movement that has really grown over the past month and a bit um and uh also talk to some complete morons um to well you have to balance it out (laughs) yeah but to be fair like it's rare for a columnist to talk to experts you would never have andrew coin called an expert especially an expert (laughs) especially an expert they disagree with to talk about these things right or or like robin urbach because they're not their their entire career is just writing um whatever comes to mind without any fact checking or uh any apparent editorial oversight so i guess get good on marcia yeah i was very scared yesterday because she sent me the link but it's behind a paywall of course because globe and mail is paywalled and professor lecture is like i can't fucking pay that i'm not paying for the globe and mail are you fucking kidding So all I saw was the headline that said, why do people hate Israel? And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, how did she mess up my quotes here? Like, what is this going to be? And then one of our good friends from the group chat sent a a, a version of it over and I read it and I was like, "Okay, I don't sound terrible. This isn't terrible. But I was like, oh, God, what just happened? (laughs) So headlines are scary sometimes. Yeah. it's like it's a real mystery why why people hate israel you know yeah the jury's still still, yeah yeah no they're just they're just defending themselves anyway yeah from um, hospitals yeah yeah is and as tempting as today would be to have a, a a podcast about um what's happening in gaza um and, and we uh, will have more on and, that and we <laughs> obviously will not be leaving that topic alone but obviously with um two members of the Jewish community who are both passionate about the subject, we could definitely go on and on and on about it. Um, well, well, it's he, also some, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, speaking of attacks on hospitals or on yeah, healthcare yeah, right. systems. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but both of these two have, have been immersed in this subject for, for uh, on a daily basis for a while. And so we actually, um, we're going to shift today uh, in our discussion to something um, quite timely for the province of Alberta. Um, while we acknowledge that there are bigger problems, obviously, in the world, um, it doesn't absolve our seemingly unwavering ability as a province to create um, problems for each other at home. Um, and so this week, we're on what? What's today? Saturday is the... It's, it's from the ele- Holy today. shit. Well, that's... We're cancelled. Yep. 
<laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, well, yeah, anyways. yeah, probably should have said something that about that at the beginning of the show. I'm not gonna try to I'm not. pick up the pieces now. <laughs> Should we read like Flanders Fields? Yeah, to, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What no, yeah. obviously, who cares? Who cares? Remembrance stays tricky. Yeah, anyway, we're. I'm obviously. I'm yeah. obviously kidding. Anyway, it, it, what? What? I mean, there's, there's what Remembrance Day should be, and what it is, and what it is is just yeah. glorification of militarism. So fuck that noise. Um, All but, right. So. Yeah, the fact that we forgot it was Remembrance Day, well, or I did while I was asking that question, then you're not, you're forgiving me is what you're saying. Yes. 100%. Yes, I forgive you on behalf of, my grandfather was a veteran, so. <laughs> so you have some. I had, I had yeah. two grandfathers. I am a quarter left. veteran. Yeah, yeah, but Scott, you're German. I'm not sure you want to highlight that. I'm, <laughs> um, my. <laughs> I had lots of family that fought in the war. My Canadian grandfathers (laughs) fought in the war. Um, Oh yeah, what about the other ones? I don't. I don't want to talk about everything today. We came here to talk about the Alberta Health Services mess. You guys, this is fucking bullshit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Change the topic. That's right. That's right. Evade, evade, evade. Well, I mean, unlike Christian Freeland. At least you're not Christy Freeland and being like, oh, my, my, you know, other sides, grandparents were amazing. They, they loved yeah, democracy. They, yeah, they, so yeah absolutely. It's they like were. that, you know, the whole thing we just talked about, Jeremy, on the other area with um, talking about these Nazis and like, wait, a guy fought against the Russians during World War II? Like, shouldn't we stop and think about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. Did, did you see the, vi- I know we're veering off Where he topic, pauses. This is good, this is good. Call- yeah, exactly. He's like, wait a minute. And then just everyone stands in a pause. Yeah, they're like, oh, wait, never mind. Wait, and then Polyev is like, you tricked us. And it's like, <laughs> you tricked like us. it's not my fault you've never read a fucking book that wasn't written by Ayn Rand. <laughs> That's like the biggest red flag is Ayn Rand. Like if you ever meet somebody and they're like, my favorite book is Fountainhead. It's like, yeah. I'm not talking to you ever again. I, just I mean, I've the- read, I've read the Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged because I like to know my enemy. Uh, Fountainhead isn't the worst. Uh, Atlas Shrugged is like, those are hours of my life. I am never getting <laughs> back in. Ugh. Anyways. No, well, we don't want to get too far off topic. Speaking of admirers of Ayn Rand. For the, for the record, though, I, I just found out today that Polyev follows Roseanne Barr on Twitter, or X, or whatever you want to call it. So that seems like a... Match made in heaven. Yeah, well, it's, she's she's the kind of person you want to pay Well, and his wife follows libs of TikTok. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Okay, let's move. <laughs> that scares me. All right, so it's November 11th. It is... The week of the announcement um, from Danielle Smith or the UCP government or however you want to characterize it in this space, um, they are the plan is to dismantle um, the Alberta Health Services uh, operation model of how we deliver healthcare, and it's going to be broken into four entities. Um, I wish I had the, somebody's I got them in front. It's it. it's mental health and addictions. It's uh, continuing care. I think so there's, is one. This is it. Uh, acute care, continuing care, but primary can, care. Sorry. A primary care and then mental health and addiction are the four different areas. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack, and like we are going to. I mean, I the forgotten corner is on the city 
um, that now has the Alberta Medical Association president, Dr. Paul Parks, is from here, and he's been on the show before. So we are going Parksy. to uh, Parksy, yeah. <laughs> so do follow uh, him because, but we're when he he's reserved judgment right now. So I I want to wait until he um, releases judgment, and then we're going to have him on the show to talk about it. Um, but and so admittedly. Um, while we can fake that Roberta's a medical doctor, none of us are are, are medical experts. Um, but we, I think, as Albertans who are engaged politically, we we do have some. Um, I don't know. What the, I don't want to say expertise, but some ability to, to talk about motivation um, behind moves and things like that, because. I bet you we could probably sit here and talk about there being a good way to, or, you know, like a non-destructive way to revamp a system or to focus, say like, oh, we're going to put more and have a whole department focused on mental health and addictions and things like that. So the actual, whether a centralized system that we've only had for 14 years or 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 breaking it up is right or whatever they do we're maybe not the right people to comment on on whether that's specifically a, a good or bad idea there's a lot of people saying it's not obviously but i think like we all have some pretty strong views on on what danielle smith's mindset is and the take back alberta group that uh pulls her strings you know what what is what is the mindset there so i'll i'm i'll ask roberta now like just when you see some when you saw this this week what was sort of your initial reaction to what we're looking at here yeah i mean i thought it was a, an interesting release in some ways because on the one hand some of this stuff sounds really great like i'm not going to sit here and say ahs is perfect and needs to just stay the way it is i don't think that's true and some of the things that they're saying here are really interesting. Like, yeah, we should focus on acute care and primary care and mental health and addiction. Like, that's yeah, a really that good, good thing. Yeah. Like, we should be doing that. But then the problem is, is when you dig into the actual details of this and read how it's being approached, that it's pretty clear that the plan is the privatization of our healthcare system. And that splitting AHS into these four different areas really allows them to privatize certain areas of that model. 100%. And I think also there's a focus on the kind of local authority piece of this. It's kind of a contradictory thing in some ways because it's saying the health minister needs to approve everything. Correct. But all decision making should be at the local level. And so it's like a really complicated mess. Well, and it's this is the contradictory part. Like you look at even just how they announced it out or whatever. So as they would say things like, we have too many managers and too much bureaucracy um, uh, and we need to focus on patients and the experts who take care of them. So what we need to do is create all of these bureaucratic entities so now that we need require to we we need yeah. politicians to be in the in charge of them 
And we're going to not talk to a single one of those frontline workers or experts before we do it. And we're literally going to do that while telling you like they could just like they stand there and do the exact opposite, right? Like they're what they're seeing. I was expecting them to read like what was it? Um, this morning when I was going through this story that Janet French wrote on on uh, for CBC, but yeah. she heralding it as a new quote new day for healthcare in Alberta. Premier Danielle Smith says dividing AHS into new agencies with a narrower narrower focus Jesus to be overseen by a council of politicians and senior government bureaucrats will improve access to care in a system under strain quote the current alberta healthcare system is one that has forgotten who should be at the center of its exist of its existence patients and the healthcare experts that look after them smith said at a news conference in edmonton on wednesday but you literally like those two paragraphs are oxymoronic. Like mm-hmm. what you're and doing moronic. <laughs> and moronic, right? You are, you're literally creating four entities that need, that are going to be in the hands of only bureaucrats, managers, and politicians. Mm-hmm. And they, they literally just changed the law to uh, do so. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Matthew Black, good reporter at the journal nice guy too um had a piece about bill six right that was tabled by uh justice minister mickey amory um that gives politicians the final say because if you remember yeah that was what happened during the pandemic right it was politicians making the decisions and as a result all these covid charges were thrown out that's right because uh, like these, you know, criminal charges for people who are like flagrantly uh, and uh, unapologetically defying restrictions. Those are all thrown out because under the previous legislation, it was the the health um, the, the medical the officer, me- chief medical officer of health's uh, jurisdiction to make these decisions, but that wasn't what was happening. So rather well, than be like, being laid okay, out as that, yeah. But yeah. it was clearly and then it's clear like, that that's well, not what was happening. And so the the reasonable response is, of course, like, okay, like next time, because this is going to happen again, whether in our lifetimes or not, we're going to um, allow that health experts to make health decisions. But of course, um, for Danielle Smith, who, you know, in her defense is an open book right i mean she's been arguing uh, making arguments about this vision she has for alberta for decades um is like okay let's put the politicians in charge formally and then we can do whatever we want and um yeah and 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 so this is one one uh consequence of that um is uh instead of having one uh bureaucracy that I, again, we're not qualified to talk about the 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 actual uh, outcome side of this, but we can talk about the politics behind it, right? We're, we all know a lot about that. Um, well, and we can certainly creating read when for... experts say the outcome's not going to be good. Like, we're not, we've yeah. all been and, I mean, the, news on this, and no one's going, this is probably a good idea. Yeah, I mean, you, you notice, though, the, the, the AMA, the Alberta Medical Association is being very cautious, right? Being like, oh, well, we hope it makes things better. 
right? But and you know, we'll we'll talk about whether that's the case with someone who's in uh you know position to know that. But I mean the I problem would, just knowing is parts, political. I would think he's hoping more than you know thinking good yeah. will come out of this right yeah and that's kind of right i mean at the end of the day the government holds the purse strings we know that they're not afraid to just scrap the agreement with the doctors and try and impose unilateral uh fee structures on them so you know you you can only go so far in biting uh the hand that feeds you um but the polit- I mean, this is a political decision. It's not a health decision. It has nothing to do with healthcare outcomes. That's just the pretext, right? And so rather than having this one centralized bureaucracy, this one-size-fits-all approach to healthcare in the province, uh, we now have four one-size-fits-all approaches um, that are answer directly to politicians and bureaucrats um, and are going to uh, be set up in a way that will actually compete with each other for uh, workers, which is right. again, like not, no, not good because, you know, for, for all kinds of reasons, that's a, a really, really, really bad idea. Um, yeah. It's uh like the the privatization part i mean you know we've all talked about this at, at various stages i wrote about it pretty extensively when kenny came in because he was going after health quite a bit and um well for one like the bureaucracy wasn't what people were like i did a story on like where the money goes and it was like 2.1% something like that was to administration and then everything else was like it was hospitals and and pay and doctors like it was it went to like stat like healthcare workers and funding hospitals like patients most almost all the money all already was going toward like having an extra department doesn't create more ICU space or whatever in the for that pan the pandemic and those are other, like when they go back and talk about the pandemic, for example, like they're, they're talking about AHS, like Smith talks about AHS. Like it, it was like that. It let down Albertans by not like having more, you know, resources or whatever in place for it. And this is part of the reason why they need to break it down because AHS failed Albertans. And it's like, is that where the failure was during the pandemic? Like, and the woman who would have told you to eat fucking horse dewormer and drink fucking chlorine or whatever. Well, was... and way back in the day, feed uh, tainted meat to homeless people, I believe. Yeah. Or... You know, like, this is who we're allowing to make this decision. Could you imagine? And like, it's also like, when you say that this entire, like, all these bills they're passing are kind of as if they live in a world where they're going to be in power forever. Like, could you imagine how people in Alberta would feel if the NDP was in power in government uh, with this type of absolute power, Alberta? 
Well, this is one of the funny things about a lot of these programs is like, I think, you know, one thing is this red tape reduction idea, you know, they're obsessed with getting rid of all this like extra bureaucracy and extra regulation and all these things that get in the way of doing things efficiently and profitably. And on the one hand, like, it's really important to have regulations and to have red tape and to actually like protect people. And like, we want experts making decisions and sometimes bureaucracy is important and some of that stuff's really really good but i think like we can see this bigger piece of all of this that's not just healthcare but that you know there's a bigger strategy here of you know taking over this province in a very particular way and it is based on the assumption that they'll always be the ones in power because imagine like the provincial police force for instance if this happens we have a provincial police force controlled by the legislature or whoever, however they're going to do that. And then a different party gets elected and now gets to control the Alberta police system. Like, I'm not sure they've thought that one through all the way. Although I think there's also just that hubris of like, we're in power forever. We've got like, another 44 years to go. Yeah, like we rule this place and you know, that was a little blip of the accidental election. Exactly. And so like, I don't think they're worried about that in some ways. Like, I think they'll, their plan is to have taken over enough of the place that it'll be impossible for anybody else to actually come in and make those changes. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a really fascinating way of doing this that doesn't really think ahead to like, oh, governments sometimes change and sometimes other people are in power. I think maybe it's worth like going through the history of AHS, sort of how it was created um, and, and, and sort of where we're going from there. Right. But it actually, there, there was a handy uh, explainer in the Edmonton Journal um, a few days ago um, that is sort of a timeline of changes to Alberta's healthcare system. Right. And you go back to 94 under Klein and in the cuts he imposed. Right. Um, so originally there were 200 local hospital and public health boards, right? And and so I they responded to local needs, right? And were able, right? Because not every um, locality has the 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 same healthcare needs, right? Like it, it varies, but. Uh, it was the 90s. It was sort of the golden age of neoliberalism, I guess you could say. And Klein was, it's sort of, in Canada, it, it, it probably its most enthusiastic uh, uh, proponent, except for maybe like Mike Harris in Ontario, of course, Jean Chrétien, Paul Martin did a lot of damage at the federal level. But I mean, um, Klein went like hog wild, right? And so he collapsed these 200 boards into 17. 17 uh healthcare boards to save money. And when when you're making healthcare decisions save money, mm -hmm. I mean that is not a good sign, right? Healthcare costs money. And um that's I mean there of course one of the arguments against privatization is that it is actually more expensive, but um but again, the fundamental goal of the healthcare system, you don't need to be a doctor to know this, is to take care of people, right? And uh, when, but when your primary goal of making uh, healthcare policies is save money, that's not going to be good. So we're down to 17 regional boards from 200. Uh, in 2004, 
which I believe Klein is still premier at this time, right? He was premier till 2006. They then collapse it further into nine. And then 2008 comes. And Ed Stelmach um, creates one, one board to rule, the, rule them all. <laughs> and uh, um, of course, uh, both of you uh, have been around longer than I have both in Alberta and this world. <laughs> you're saying we're uh, old? <laughs> what the fuck? I don't like the way this is going. <laughs> no, I'm saying you're experienced. Uh, oh, uh, I see. Yeah, yeah. You're wise. Absolutely. Right, right. Gotcha. You, you guys, you are, you guys are spending more constant time in the health my, system. My point being is I was like, uh, I just graduated high school in Ontario. You guys see a lot of doctors. I didn't I, I, I know. But, but uh, so tell us sort of about um this decision to to sort of create this one uh to create AHS right out of these nine regional boards that before were 17 and before that were 200 like i'm going to let you take that for the most part because i remember the creation of AHS um but it was very much at the beginning like it like as i was just out of journalism school kind of thing like it was 2009 i think they created ahs 2008 somewhere 2008, yeah 2008 so that's i was still in school when I, I graduated in 09 so um i remember it happening i don't remember like i i i i, I exist in alberta um in a different way before 2015 like I, I i lived in a place that was conservative and was always going to be conservative and it wasn't something that i really had to think about because it's just how like it was an acceptance of being here right and like you didn't talk politics because like i wasn't gonna i wasn't trying to like progressives are just so much better in alberta at like not being in charge than the fucking hillbilly mouth breathing dipshits that can't fucking stand it when they don't get to make every single fucking decision. And I make I I find that funny just off topic, but like right around 2015 was right around the time when I ended up in just a mountain of political discussions everywhere I went. It's funny how like all you fucking dumb fucks wanted to start talking politics with me. And then they're like, ah, oh, lefty over here. I don't even bring it up, you dumb shitheads. Anyway, so I when these kinds of things happen. It was a, a period of time where you just kind of like, I don't know, Alberta was what Alberta was. And so like I wasn't so focused on the politics of things until after I saw everybody unreasonably lose their shit when Notley's very centrist government came in, you know? And so that's when I, more of my stuff came, but like, I don't, do you remember much about the, the super board creation other than I know people were worried. Yeah. I mean, I think there's like this interesting process happening around that time across Canada, where there's all these debates about like, what's the best method of delivering this incredibly expensive system. 
And as Jeremy said, like this is the height of neoliberalism. So it's how can we do it without governments actually contributing anything to it? And so there's like this conflict happening. And as Jeremy said, you know, the the goal being to save money is the exact opposite of what a healthcare system should be. The goal should be saving people's lives and making people's lives better. Like it's not about money. But my sense is at the time across Canada, in every province, there was kind of a debate going on about how do we do this? Do we centralize our healthcare systems or do we decentralize our healthcare systems? And in Alberta, I mean, it's such a fascinating thing what's happening here because like that 2008 move was fully centralized, right? Like the one board to rule them all is really actually a fun way and like appropriate way to talk about it. And this model is kind of like a weird, the one they're proposing is kind of a weird mix of centralization and decentralization. It's almost like they're trying to thread a needle that's like really tricky to thread in that sense. So centralized in the sense that like the politicians and the bureaucrats are ultimately in charge, but we're going to, you know, uh, decentralize to these local decision-making bodies. And it's, it's, you know, kind of in response to this 2008 movement that I don't think anybody really had a sense of what it was going to do. Well, and I think the, I think the, uh, that might be sort of the, like the, the thin veil of it all is there, um, you know, calling it decentralization because people were worried about centralization, right? And so decentralization is going to have that sound. I think, but I think it's like that word is actually like, it's not decentralization. It's more like um, bottlenecking, mm-hmm. like by creating these four completely separate bodies that are only responsible for this specific thing, you are going, you have this, it's you're pinholing them almost where in, as, as opposed to uh, broadening their abilities. And so it, yeah, it doesn't like it, it's masked as decentralization because I think people especially in in the more rural areas or 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 medicine hat that's you know urban but rurally urban you know um i think people like the hearing words like local decision making and things like that and that's why i say like when i see those things i don't really have a an opinion one way or the other on what's the best way to deliver it centralized local decision making whatever um but when every single aspect of their reasoning behind why they need to make these changes are batshit crazy in and of itself because this is this is this don't forget listeners that this is this woman immediately hired presto manning to to uh just to look at how this province botched covid you could have a very, very, very solid review done case study on how Alberta botched COVID, but not how they are going to do it. This is like, you know, the enemy of your enemy is not your fucking friend here, you know? And so like these people are going, there wasn't enough liberty and there wasn't enough people allowed to do whatever the fuck they want. And they don't want, experts in charge of anything anymore because experts 
get in the way of do, of them doing what they want to do and they Danielle Smith's idea of a of being a leader uh, a premier of a province is that what she wants should override everybody there should be no what like you elected us we're in charge why should we have to listen to uh Dr. Hinshaw why should we have to listen to anyone else and get all these people like these like get rid of them all and we're gonna replace them with former cabinet ministers that think exactly like i think and they're gonna do everything i want to do and they're in charge of everything like if this happened if the ndp tried this (laughs) with like pick like pick a fucking provincial department that nobody gives a shit about People would riot in the fucking street if the if a NDP party gave themselves this kind of power. Like this is so fucking insane what they're doing with AHS that we actually have to gloss over that Bill Eight this week was them saying that they get to decide. Politicians now get to decide what gifts politicians are allowed to receive. We can't right. have the ethics commissioner no more because that bitch told me I couldn't wash dishes at my husband's restaurant. No. In sandals. That, yeah. That woman told you that you can't take pictures of yourself working in a fucking restaurant that you have ties to and then put it on the market to sell the next day. It doesn't look good. Yeah, but she wants some... to make it seem like this bureaucratic bitch ethics commissioner that we don't need is just telling me I can't go and be a hardworking Albertan willing to do dishes and sling it with the, with the regular folk in my sandals in my sandals. Yeah. And it's also like this whole like working class cosplayer. Like you started your career in media scabbing during the, calgary herald strike like come fuck that's on. how that's how you became got in that's how you got your foot in the door everyone else had to was fucking on strike. go on strike and you got a job out of it i think she was actually hired a bit before the strike started but not long before like a month or two right and so i i mean strikes don't just happen overnight but Do you know how much uh, of a piece of shit you gotta be to be in your 60 day like in your first 60 days at a place of work and they go on strike and you're like, I, I can't, guys. I'm on my I'm still in my 90 days here. <laughs> well, I don't know. Do, call, do colonists have probationary periods? It seems they get away with whatever they want. Isn't um, that the truth? Speaking of getting away with whatever they want, like I think this is a really important part about all of this AHS, but also every other portfolio that the UCP is bringing forward is that it's really about pushing their own particular agenda, not about advancing the province or health or any of those things. And so like, you know, the experts and the avoidance of experts, I think is really tragic as an expert. I think this is very problematic. And I think one of the examples of this in the healthcare stuff is that, you know, they're splitting apart these four pieces of the healthcare system. I am no healthcare expert, I will admit that. But one thing I do know is that the pieces of healthcare are very much overlapping, right? Like primary care and acute care are very much connected together because if you don't have good primary care, 
you're going to have more acute care, all those kinds of things. Mental health and addictions, as we know, those are connected to acute care and primary care and other things. And so one, they're separating all these pieces out as if they can operate separately rather than creating a holistic healthcare system that actually tried to take care of us from beginning to end. And I think the second piece of that is this privatization piece, because the way it's laid out in the release that they gave about these four sectors, like you can see very clearly where the plan is to privatize pieces of this and where they're going to try and stick with the Canada Health Act in some ways. Because I think like the acute care and the primary care pieces, some of that might still be public, Mm -hmm. but the way they talk about the others and other pieces within that is very much private. Like we are going to contract out this stuff. And we've seen it with the mental health already, right? This recovery-based model that they're pushing is very much a private system. It's about, you know, all their cronies who own all these fucking recovery places. And that's, they're going to force people into recovery. Like this isn't about helping people. It's not about helping the healthcare system. It's about pursuing their privatization agenda. And it's going to happen very quickly in this model if it gets through because of the control they're going to have over every piece of it. Like Jason Kenney did lay some of the groundwork for this, but he also, he was still a very politician-y person about how he handled things. And so we talked when he came in about how, like, you know, the goal is, often the goal in these cases is to slowly uh, dissect and dismantle uh, the public sector and make it look bad and then sweep sweep in with privatization as the solution. And he 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 laid the groundwork for that for the I don't know what was it three did he make it three years fuck I don't even yeah. know That's yeah it was, it was three years it was three, <laughs> three quarters years. of a term yeah. so so um, he's I, the Jason but, Kinney expert but, but yeah, he, he 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 did it with this laying of groundwork Daniel did, Smith but... didn't need his groundwork and wouldn't like it the fact that it was there for her was great but she is just. Full on. full on dive in like I'm not going to do it slowly and methodically I'm going to just do it because mm-hmm. like I want the end re- I want the end result like I don't give a fuck but, but there was there like I think that's true with regards to healthcare he did take a more uh, uh, piecemeal approach to dismantling Alberta. Certainly, comparative system. to what we're seeing is yeah, 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 yeah. Especially with the with the pandemic, time. it really and th- he did an interview uh, in October 2022. Like once Smith won, and he was on his way out before he resigned um, as an MLA, but he was no longer premier, and he did this retrospective review with the Hub, which is this right-wing uh online news outlet founded by sean spear who's like a longtime conservative operative and it was a very of course sycophantic interview about how great he is and what amazing legacy he has but he said like um you know i i wish we could have privatized or innovated quote unquote which is privatization more in healthcare but the pandemic slowed that down um but i i, I will say that He also said, he told, I believe it was the journal, um, early on, like, as he was assuming office, he was like, I'm going to move fast because these things, you move fast and quick, and it makes it harder for these changes to be undone by a future government that is ideologically opposed. And so, um, 
you saw that with the anti-labor in, in the anti-public sector worker and pro-corporate policies, right? The job creation tax cut, which actually eliminated jobs, uh, particularly in the tar sands um, uh, with, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, delaying arbitration for public sector workers, uh, for, um, uh, you know, reducing red tape. I think he said he wanted to cut red tape by two thirds, which is like, how, how do you measure that? Like, what is red tape and like, how, how is it calculated? Um, uh, right. He just had this in his first like month in office, he had this suite of policies where it was like, punish the labor movement, reward the private sector, It would, would which did lay the groundwork for this, I think, more piecemeal approach to dismantling healthcare that paved the way for what Danielle Smith is doing now. Um, now, the thing, like, I I, I mean, I, I when we're talking about AHS, I, we can't lose sight of the fact that it wasn't, like, AHS was bad. It wasn't working. Exactly. Right? And, 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 and there is a problem. Well, this right? is the and thing, what, like, I, we, I, well, sorry, we had a poll question, which I know they're not scientific, <laughs> obviously, but it was, oh, like, does AHS need a right revamp? Just simple. And it was overwhelmingly, yes, like, like enough that you're like, that is definitely a, uh, a snippet of, of what the public is thinking and feeling. And we do have a lot of um, older people who go onto our website like medicine hats senior citizen community right so yeah so continue but yeah ahs is nobody where it's not a protection it's just the motivation or why but but what right-wing populists are so good at whether it's like a pretend populist like jason kenny or someone who is more i think authentically of that mindset like danielle smith um is to seize on these very real seize not seize on these very real issues of of public systems not working and then rather than the 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 obvious solution which is to strengthen them to fund them more to be like all right we got to start dismantling it it's not working right and then every problem is just the solution is more marketization right and and you know people people are saying that oh the neoliberal age is is, is behind us cuz donald trump uses tariffs or used tariffs or whatever it is not it's not everything that's being done like if you look at did like, somebody COVID- say that that neoliberalism oh, was yeah, over yeah now? i read a book it was actually quite a good the book the fuck but it's conclusion I didn't get that memo. Um, it was called The Rise and Fall of Neoliberal Global Order. And it was a good book, like just in in terms of tracking the history of neoliberalism. But you could tell he kind of just shoehorned in that it's over. And then at the end, just kind of twisted things to suit that argument. Um, There's otherwise a good book. I would recommend it. I I forget the author's name, but it's tangential. Um, But... um, and I read this idiotic piece in Washington Monthly saying that Joe Biden is like anti-neoliberal. It's like, are you fucked? Like, like um, they were talking about his COVID spending and, and the same was true in Canada. All this spending was very much within the framework of neoliberalism. It wasn't yes. dedicated towards fixing systems. It was giving mostly businesses money. Yes. Right. All- subsidizing businesses and then giving it to individuals. Right. There was no collective um, response that that would have that was necessary. Um, 
And um, this is, of course, an outgrowth of that um, here, right here in Alberta. It's like, okay, the system's not working. Then I guess we just got to um, privatize more. And I think, um, you know, nowhere is that more dangerous, I think, than in continuing care and long-term care. Where yeah. I, I mean, Especially Alberta with the future coming. Like this, yeah. like, the, and, you know, like we've alluded to this a bunch of times of, about making sure that the, you know, we should be funding, not defunding, obviously. Um, a term that conservatives always love to throw around is you can't throw money at it. No, no, Except you actually, literally, well, the, first yeah. of all, never mind that they throw money at fucking everything. Corporations, okay. the police. Yeah, like, Ad campaigns to convince yeah. you to lose your pension, war rooms that get made fun of old. They fucking throw money at everything. First of all, throwing money at it is literally the only answer to every fucking mm -hmm. problem under capitalism that a government faces. They have to spend money on stuff. They, they literally have to. They don't, there's nothing that you can organize for free. Can you be efficient as possible? Yeah. But like the sitting around talking about how inefficient all of these systems are. Like, have you ever been to a fucking efficient place? Like, have you ever gone to a place of business and be like, wow, this is so efficient? Have you ever worked at a fucking like retail outlet and thought, oh man, my coworkers and my, everything done here it's so fucking efficient i mean it's not Walmart's like there's pretty dollars efficient. walking out the door every day or anything so inefficiencies are going to happen when humans are in charge of running anything as a group like that's you can't have ultimate efficiency yeah when it comes to healthcare and education well yeah and also you should like never ever speak about any like it should never be a question of oh well we gotta save money here no we should throw as much money as is absolutely necessary to make sure that we have everyone covered in education and healthcare. Well, and I think this is where the main problem comes in and why this is so scary and likely to actually happen and dismantle our system is that AHS is not working, right? Our healthcare system in Canada generally, I'd say, isn't working particularly well. There's a lot of problems with it. I would say most of those caused by underfunding and the kind of, um, you know, free reign pharmaceutical companies have other sorts of things. There's lots of reasons for that. But vaccines, I think it was vaccines. It's all vaccines, yeah. 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 So like our healthcare system is in trouble and I don't think anybody can deny that. Like we all would agree this system isn't working great. Nobody so wants we, to work in it. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> Especially for the like $15 an hour you get to like change bedpans. Like fuck that work. It's not happening. And so like when you read through this proposal, it all sounds very logical in a lot of ways. Like we're going to solve this problem. Like we've got the answer here and people are going to be like, okay, well, the problem's really clear. We'll accept that this is the solution. And I think, you know, the pandemic is a good example of how this is going to fall apart really fast because like we've been talking about the pandemic in past terms. I always like to make sure I emphasize it's ongoing. This is a, still a pandemic. Um, and, you know, people are still getting sick. We're pretending it's not happening. But this is going to continue to obviously be a strain on our healthcare system. We have an aging population. We have all these things that are going to continue to be strains. And this move 
is going to make all of that worse, not better, because the goal is money, not patient health and actually caring about people. And like you, it's a good point that you brought up the pandemic, like um, pandemics don't have to be raging and every story in the news to be existent. Right. And one of the reasons why Alberta's COVID um, situation is underreported is because it is purposely being underreported by the government. So the the person we are seeing, like I've ta- I've heard people, uh, progressives, or whatever, talk about how like, ooh, imagine like if Danielle Smith had been in, like, what would have happened if, well, we're, we, if she was in charge? And yeah, it would have been unbelievably awful, awful. But this is what you. This is sort of a version of what that is. Every single day when I sit at the desk, I get a COVID BC story. Updates on where outbreaks are, what's happening. I haven't seen a COVID Alberta story in since Danielle Smith uh, became the premier backdoor style. Well, this is also the other piece of this is that if we just don't collect evidence and we don't look for the facts, then we can ignore them, right? Like... If we don't test people for COVID, we can pretend COVID's not there. As soon as we start testing people for COVID, we're going to be like, oh, shit, everybody's fucking sick and dying. Like, this is a problem. And so, again, this government's doing that same kind of thing, right? That's what they're always doing. They're hiding the expert evidence. They're, you know, not relying on experts and what's actually happening because they just have their one goal. And so we've all pretended that this is all over and we're fine. And yet, like, every day I'm seeing people drop off at the university, like, what's happening to them all i don't know why are we all sick i wonder yeah i don't know some some flu or something uh, yeah it's gotta be just a cold yeah but it it is worth noting uh well also i mean there have been two covid stories uh, that i think are quite important that have come out in recent weeks that we should probably talk about in the context of this assault on our healthcare system um, the first being that the numbers are being suppressed, right? Uh, yeah. CTV News had had a scoop a, f- a couple of weeks ago from Mark Villani that said while the province was claiming there were 320 hospitalizations for COVID um, on October 21st, uh, C- the, the CTV uh, obtained documents that showed there were actually 900. Yeah. Right? So literally... Triple. Triple, exactly. And uh, like, I don't want to in- incite panic. Like, I do think like we're not seeing the mass deaths that we saw during the second wave of the pandemic. We're not well, no, seeing... It's funny, it's almost like strain. vaccines work. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, yeah, and we're not seeing the strain on our healthcare system that the, of course, the open for summer wave, the fourth wave um, happened. But that doesn't mean that we can not be vigilant. I mean, because that can happen again, especially because people aren't getting vaccinated, right? Like I even, I I need to get my booster because I got last one six months ago and I'm going to um, this week, uh, now that I mentioned it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Maybe I should, yeah. But again, the, the 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 vaccination is again, it's this individualized solution to healthcare. It, and he, right, even Kenny, to his credit, was like, "Yes, you should get vaccinated," but that was like it, right? And it was like when you 
open for summer. He's like, don't worry about it. Like we're going to be vaccinated. Kids might get COVID, but like, whatever, it's, it, it's not going to affect them long COVID. What? Never heard of it. Um, and, um, you know, I, there are dangerous consequences for that. And, and the other thing um, that is directly con connected to this, this glut of data we're getting is uh all these COVID tests that EHS is sitting on that are about to expire. And so like- We could probably you, put them in the same dumpster as the uh, Tylenol. The, the Turkish Tylenol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we don't and throw it, money at shit, you guys. That's not how we solve problems. You can't throw money at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spending like drunken sailors. Right-wingers don't do yes. that. No, they no, they, no, they, no. They're fiscally responsible. Have you heard about that? Yeah. Like oh, literally God. we're we're like the only reason like we aren't seeing even bigger cuts to the public sector is because the price of oil is high. Right? Oh dude, um, could you fucking imagine how bad this moment would be if we weren't pulling in 12 billion dollar surpluses? Well, it's going to happen. And 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 You mean that um, this boom's not going to last? Listen, it says right here on this card <laughs> Lord, give me one more boom, and I promise not to piss it away this time. So we're not going to do that. We're not doing this time. So it's good. Just so you know. Yeah. Um. But again, so not only are they deliberately undercounting hospitalizations, which is a very important metric, mm -hmm. but they're also allowing that, making it so we can't even test ourselves at home. In state, right? And what are and, they taking uh, rapid tests out of fucking? Well, no, no, they're sitting on all these rapid tests that are about to oh, expire, right? I see. They're, like something like like an insane amount. Let me let me pull up the article. Yeah, and and um, the number of COVID tests that are sitting in a centralized warehouse. Oh Jesus! Is six point seven million kits. Oh, frick. those each have like five. I think tests. it's 20. Oh, yeah, that's 40 10. million, yeah. 40 million COVID tests just wow. that are being wasted. And but I think Jesus to your Christ. point, to your point, Scott, about how the media isn't covering this anymore, I think um, it, it reminds me of uh, Nora Loretto's uh, excellent book, Spin Doctors, um, how um, me media and politicians. Um, misdiagnosed COVID-19 pandemic, uh, journalists, and in, in often through no fault of their own, throughout the pandemic, and, and it continues now, are just um, essentially allowing government to frame their coverage or lack thereof, for, for the most part, right, of, of, of the pandemic. And so the government's not talking about it, right? I mean, Danielle Smith won't even say you should get vaccinated, or won't even say I'm, I'm vaccinated, which maybe She's so she might fucking be. vaccinated. She, well, she was at one point for sure. Um, I was actually reading a piece yesterday uh, about RFK, right? Oh, Robert can in lots of things say about that <laughs> horrible man, but um, it was pointed out that his wife Cheryl from Curb Your Enthusiasm had a party at their house where everyone who attended had to be vaccinated, and he attended. So, um, I don't know, either he's vaccinated or his wife is allowing him to be the sole unvaccinated person. 
Um, everybody's everybody's uh like the most part those anyone that's in like the public view or whatever is they're vaccinated they're, they all are like you look at just even the numbers like if you think about the people that like literally can't be vaccinated and then like the uh you know a lot of the homeless community these kinds of areas that you have like a 90 percent vaccinated rate like there's not as much room for these you know what I mean? Like, as like, there's a lot of people lying about it, is what I'm saying, or at least a lot of people that went and got two, and then like I'm done forever. And it's like, okay, like, I don't know, do what you got to do. Like, I don't know the future of COVID in 20 years any more than anyone does. I I listen to people that study this shit for a living. That's what we should do. That's what we all tried to do, uh, in spite of a. Uh, a stupid government when it was happening and we <laughs> this is like the find around find out portion of the fuck around when we were like this is get what do you do if uh you take somebody that's 10 times worse than jason kenny and more aggressive toward end result uh, ideology without a care for the destruction on the way like this is what we this is what we're getting this this is it this is what it looks like it is a government that makes almost no good decisions every decision has nothing to do with you like even like if, even when they throw you a bone or whatever like the utility deferral program this year here's here's some money for everybody by the way you're all paying it back and if you're not on a fixed rate by then you're all paying. Yeah. yeah and so it's just like there's there's ahs is is going to be like i don't it, it is a huge thing and it's, it's it's like something that we're but this is going to be worse than ever before like the shock and awe that fucking jason kenny gave where you're like i don't know can't stop like how do you how do you focus on one thing for long enough to make a difference about it because while this is while we're all freaking out about pensions and while we're all freaking out about ahs dismantling they're going to they're going to somehow enshrine parental rights they're going to implement anti-trans bills they're going to make it illegal to it's they're going to make it legal to defy public health orders and measures every single thing that they're, they're going to hit us with so much terrible archaic set us back five 10 20 50 year shit that this is like this is it this is what happens when you get a danielle smith and and a take back alberta puppeteers well, and I think this is uh, quite obvious with this current legislative agenda that, you know, they're going fast and hard on all of these things. And a lot of them, I would say, are part of a separatist agenda where it's about establishing what's necessary for a separate nation. So pensions, police force, the kinds of setting up this new financial systems, um, yep. even the public sector act that they want to change so that all of us in the public sector get paid directly from the government rather than from our employers. 
that's part of that kind of separatist process. Um, but the second piece of it is a capitalist process, right? right? Like this is about dismantling any supports and systems that we've created to care for a community so that we can just maximize profit. And I think we should be paying attention to this huge legislative agenda I mean, they're just, like you said, they're throwing bills at us left, right, and center, and they're all huge. We have to fight against all of them. Like, none of them are just tiny little things like, we're going to change a word in this one thing. It's like, no, we're setting up to separate from the fucking country. Like, we need to think these things through, but it becomes so overwhelming. And so I think for me, the trick is keeping an eye on that bigger issue, right? It's not about each of these policies. It's about fighting the overall agenda, which is private and separate. And so yep. each piece of that we have to fight. But I think if we keep the bigger picture in mind, it might help us. Mm -hmm. And everyone has, you know, a, 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 a different aspect of this big picture that they can focus on. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, there are people fighting pensions, people are you know fighting against healthcare privatization education privatization right and, and and they're all interconnected and so while it can feel overwhelming you don't have to take everything on all at once right and you know i think uh roberta and i are right now focused on uh stopping a, a genocide happening um in, in in our name which is but um you know, these are all, these systems are all connected, right? They're all part of global capitalism and neoliberalism. And by attacking one aspect of them, you are fighting the, the system as it is um, writ large. And you don't, I mean, you can also change focus, right? You don't have to focus exclusively on education privatization um, forever, right you can move between these aspects like um um and I, I mean roberta here is the expert on social movement so i'm sure she can uh tell us more about that uh sort of fluidity yeah no i mean i think that's such an important part that you know on the one hand everybody needs to do what they can where they can and so it's not like every single one of us has to be out like in the streets or running for government or writing articles like we each have our own role to play in this fight and to focus on your interests and your skills is I think really the key so if you're really good at you know compiling data do that kind of work for these areas if you're really good at writing then write you know whatever it happens to be and I think you're also so right about the fluidity of these issues because they are all connected right like what's happening all over the world is all part of the same process. And so it's relatively easy to jump from one topic to another because the main issues are still the same, whether we're talking about healthcare or we're talking about bombing Gaza or we're talking about all sorts of different things. The issues are largely the same and we just need to keep fighting. As long as we're alive, we need to just keep pushing back against this. And it has been different. Like, we don't have to be like this. Like, one thing that neoliberalism is very good at is making it seem like this is the only option. This is the only way it's ever been and will ever be. 
But in reality, like for a long time, we were like, no, we should actually probably manage capitalism and we should maybe regulate it and we should give a safety net to people. We don't have to do what we're doing. And so we could we, we should close uh, uh, poverty gaps and income gaps and things like this instead of just watching them spiral out of control mm -hmm. until it's hilarious because we can just do that forever because instead of people being mad at us, they're just going to start hating poor people and that's going to be fun. And then if they start to notice that poor people are starting to look a little too much like them, we're going to make them also hate brown people and get some, you know, anyway, it's, it's, it's the age old thing and um, progressive will win whether it's in our lifetime or not, because not being progressive collapses and like maybe, you know, like, who knows how savable we are or whatever like we don't even sitting here talking about the doom and gloom we even didn't even get to discuss uh the fact that the province was on fire in from april till about fucking five minutes ago five, yeah about last week um and, and that we have we just watched people willingly not believe a not come together in a pandemic and not believe that a pandemic was reason to 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 make real sweeping changes in the right direction we're all we're just going to watch us do the same thing with this climate change stuff and just continue to tell <laughs> tell each other that oh no that's those are being started deliberately deliberately by arsonists, arsonists who wear antifa shirts surrounded you know covered by their blue jay sweater <laughs> Me. You know, I'm guilty. Well, and I think this is, you know, the the kind of funny part about all this, where those in power don't have a very good sense of our own history. And I'm going to nerd out as a historian and say history is really important because one of the things that they're missing in all of this is that if things get bad enough, people will fight back. Yeah. Right. Like the reality is that poverty is increasing, inequality is increasing. They're distracting using things like trans rights or anti-poverty or anti-brown people, all the things that are distraction. But at the end of the day, if everybody's poor and everybody's life is shitty, eventually we're all going to rise up against these really wealthy fuckers. It happens all the time. And There's already a lot of really healthy public disdain for uh, rich people um, that's coming. Like the, the like pure worldwide celebration when those fucks imploded at the bottom of the sea well and the like the orcas sinking all these yachts like everybody's cheering on the orcas yeah fuck these yachts and yeah like that's what needs to happen like eat the fucking rich like let's go nature we will and so this is like so the great depression is a good example of this right like the system collapsed people were in dire straits there was no support for them and then we get to war and are like, oh, wait, the government can actually maybe manage an economy and do some stuff. So maybe let's not do that again. Maybe let's like have social programs and have good education and all of those things. And now we're pretending like that's not even a possibility. Like governments just can't do shit. Yeah, it's we, like, well, actually, we governments can do whatever the fuck they want, as we see, you know, for good or bad. Yeah. Yeah, like if the government can fucking drop bombs on people or support dropping bombs on people and give military cover to it, they can fucking take care of their own. It's just, it's a choice. Yeah, priorities. It's, it's a, yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, I mean, and it's 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 an easy choice for them because we don't make them make it properly, yeah. and that's and that's and that's a collective we, and it's a hard uh, group to get on the same page about stuff. But eventually, when you get enough people bogged down, um, they rise up, and and that will happen at some point because this shit is being done to you not not for you um invest i invest in the guillotine that's, that's what i think if you have any money to throw around invest in a guillotine yeah that's company. right yeah that's right there's my financial advice there you for go the day. there you go yeah we we had to find another way to try to get canceled at the very end just just for every like we're just trying to see if we can make it to next week but i think we should probably that was a good do you guys think that's a good time to yeah i think so caller we've yeah we've i think our so. listeners on our long um, yeah well we didn't it's only about an hour 15 probably We're all right. oh is that right I, I, yeah it's, I, then we got like yeah, i guess because we so. can start right away but anyway it's not like I think listening to just episode. it's not like listening to just you and i for these poor listeners like they got a little they got a little taste of roberta in there too so we yeah. sounded smart again for about an hour and 15 minutes but anyways yeah so anyways we're gonna we'll we'll, we'll stop there folks and 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 let you go but fight the fight that you think is important um there's enough of us out there there's a that are you know people can get after this and they will kind of do what they want to do in spite of those fights anyways so we just got to stay like diligent and um and upright because it's gonna you're gonna take a lot of hits well and it feels good to fight like this is what i tell people all the time like if you're feeling hopeless and helpless the trick is to fight back in whatever that looks like even just writing an op-ed or like doing anything it will make you feel better because one thing will happen you're fighting back so that's one thing but also you're going to meet all sorts of other people who also want to fight back and yeah. it can feel so lonely in this province i mean that's the whole purpose of this podcast right is that it's like this forgotten world that there's exactly. a bunch of us around and you're only going to find them at these fights we're not going to find each other on x or on on TikTok or whatever, we find each other in these fights. And that's where our solidarity builds. And that's what we need to do. I mean, I have met some great people on sure. X before it was <laughs> X. Now, now uh, you know, not not so much. But yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. Social media um has its limits. Um, and yeah, I mean, um, you know, not to bring it back to um Israel again, but like go to protest, don't be intimidated. Um, by the, the the smears and 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 uh, you know strength in numbers. I mean, we are making a difference. If you look at the federal NDP now, that isn't just calling for a ceasefire; they're calling to cut off arms sales to Israel and 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 the siege of Gaza, right? And um, I, I I guess yeah, I just wanted to end with that. Like, if you live in a big city where there are actions, go wear a mask if you don't want to be identified, right? But uh, or get COVID. How about that? Or get COVID. But I, I mean, outdoors, but they're also crowded. So fair point. Um, but um, now yeah, is the I, time to be brave. Like, that's what I would yeah. say. Now is the time to be brave. And, and it, we all just have to be brave. And it, it is and in it, such short supply right now. It is. And it and it, it is it can feel this encouraging because like just, you know, take it back to Alberta, but like you feel like you fought for three years against Kenny's shit and you were 
we were rewarded by it being worse. Like here's, okay, we'll get rid of that guy and here's much worse. So it does, a lot of these things are get, you know, worse before they're better kind of thing. And the, it's sadly, that's the nature of this is sometimes it needs to be seen on a global level, whether like, whether we're talking about what's happening in Gaza and you get a lot more access to what's really happening and people start to catch on, but it still has to happen for those people to catch on. Like that's what's so tragic about it, right? Like the people that are being murdered every day in Gaza, it doesn't do them much good that we're slowly but surely like figuring it out. But that's what, that's how this shit works, unfortunately. And in order to get real change over there, there'll have to be people that catch on to how bad it is. And you have to see the bad sometimes. And when it's Alberta, this is, fuck, I hope this is the bad, because if it could be worse than a Daniel Smith, I wouldn't know what it is. Um, we had bad, but it was smart. This is bad, but puppeted. And anyway, it's it's a tough battle, but uh be hang in there folks anyways we're getting out of here <laughs> love you guys we really want to thank uh those of our patrons who go way above and beyond anything we could ever hope for to darius Beregard, to dave von miller to chris sterwold nicola di nicola farish audrey thank you guys so much to our other uh patrons and uh supporters uh we love you guys very much thank you guys for keeping us going and um roberta thank you for fucking coming to my house and being on my podcast again always a pleasure we'll yeah, do it again think, yeah great to have you uh join us again because it's been it's been a long while it's i think the last time we had you on i was i was living in your city Calgary. yeah maybe yeah, yeah probably it's been a while so, yeah i don't think i ever saw you in no i don't think so <laughs> yeah um yeah. Well, oh no, I did see you at uh the Canadian Association of Labor Media Conference. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Should we talk that was about good. that? Or... I... I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that was yeah, that was some time ago. But um yeah, anyways, always good to see you, Roberta, and uh hear um your wisdom, um, especially uh in these uh incredibly uh trying times. My pleasure. Both at home and abroad. Yeah. And yeah, thank you for your doctoral medical expertise <laughs> yeah. that you brought to us today. I'm the kind of doctor that can help you. Hey, fuck yeah, you can help me. Anyway, uh, okay, take care of you guys. We'll see you guys next week. Bye, Mo. Thank you for all you do. Love you. Bye.